before dawn Every man has a story And the story goes on From a granddad's eyes To a newborn son farm is in my blood We all benefit from Michigan farm families who take pride in perfecting the art and science of growing fresh, high-quality foods and products year after year. Local Michigan farmers nurture what nature gives them, growing some of the most popular foods and products. Did you know that we rank number one in the nation in more than 15 products? In fact, more than 50,000 local farm families help to grow and raise more than 300 different great tasting, high quality, fresh foods and products, making us the second most agriculturally diverse state in the nation. Hello, I'm Carla Wardine, and today I'm talking with CJ Hunt of Hunt's Hillside Vineyards, LLC. Hello, CJ. How are you? I'm doing fine. Yourself? Great. Thank you for being on the program. And can you tell me about your business? Yeah. Um, my grandparents started the farm. I bought the farm in 1951. It had about 20 acres of Concord grapes on it. Um, over the years, they sold to uh, Welch's Youth Company in Michigan. Uh, my dad took it over in the early 80s and uh, farmed it up until 2005 when uh, I got enrolled in the Viticulture Analogy Program at Michigan State University. I then took it over from him, and now we have um, roughly 20 six acres of wine grapes on the farm, and we have taken out all of the Concord except for four acres. And then additionally, I have uh, planted on an adjacent property that I'm leasing right now another uh, nine acres, so roughly uh, 38 acres of wine grapes. Under time, and they're all under contract to St. Julian's Winery in Papa. Great, in St. Julian's in Papa. Well, I've been there. What a great place and super, super fun. And a fun town name. Let's not forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your schooling. Um, I actually uh, went to school to do uh, wildlife and fisheries management originally at Muskegon Junior College, um, where I wrestled uh, on the varsity for two years there. Awesome. Um, left there. I decided I kind of didn't want to pursue that career. Um, I did a, a little two-year stint as an appliance service repairman, um, which was all right to learn the trade, but I uh, didn't really didn't really see myself doing that forever either. So uh, in 2004, I went back to um, I went to Michigan State and uh, did their viticulture and analogy tech program um, there. Um, I actually left there in 2006 because they decided to cancel the program altogether. And, uh, yeah, boo. And ended up uh, taking a job uh, at a local uh, vineyard uh, right down the road from us, which was uh, Speech Farms at the time. They did uh, fresh market uh, table grapes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there for about seven years, then I left there and went to Quad Farms, um, worked there for five years as a farm manager there. They had, uh, we had 300 acres of double curtain Concord grapes that were, uh, grown for mulches. Um, then I had an opportunity to go, uh, work 
as the farm manager at Sun Valley Vineyards for two years. After that, I left there uh, a year ago, December, uh, to pursue my own endeavors on my own farm with 38 acres of wine grapes that I had planted over the course of the last basically eight years. Are we talking December 2019 or December 2020? Oh, it would have been 19. Oh, so you got started during the best year any of us have known. How exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Great, uh, great idea. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Who knew that timing? How did it go for you last year? Um, it, the, the wine grape side of it was fine. The other side of it, uh, I was kind of not expecting what had happened with COVID and all that. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily, I really only have uh, one employee that works for me, and then my father actually helped me quite a lot on mm -hmm. the farm. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up actually going and working. My cousin had a, about a two-and-a-half-acre greenhouse. Uh, up in the Kalamazoo area, mm -hmm. and I ended up working for him for a while, too, just because uh, things were so uh, wishy-washy. I wasn't sure mm -hmm. what was really going to happen, so I kind of wanted a little bit of backup supplemental income. No kidding, yeah. Um, so I'm working for him uh, part-time in the wintertime. So your dad is a big help. Um, I am on a dairy farm, and my parents are a big help, too. What does he like to do? Um... As long as he's in the tractor, he's pretty happy. He's, uh, <laughs> he's not much in the, in the – he'll do some of the physical work, but he's in his mid-70s now, so he'd rather sit on the tractor, do some mowing, do some spraying, um, stuff like that. He'd, he'd rather not set posts and stretch wires and plant grapes. So. <laughs> that somehow seems like an ageless thing, too. My kids are 13, yeah. and they would rather drive the tractor, too. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Lesperance on the program a few years ago at Fen Valley. Did you work with him? Yes, I did. Okay, yep. great. Well, then, you know, add it to one more person of the 150 that you'll know on this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What kind of problems do you find growing grapes? Obviously, we're the people listening. A lot of us haven't grown grapes. What are the challenges? Well, the biggest challenge really in the last, say, 20-plus years was the polar vortex uh, two years ago. We had temperatures just out of like 17. Um, I lost all my Chardonnay to the ground, to the yeah. snow line, all, which was three acres, three acres of Valvin Muscat down to the snow line, and uh, three, six acres to the wall down to the snow line, yeah. which means the two-year restructure to bring all those plants back up to the top wire to have fruit again mm -hmm. and you hope you, that only happens every 30 40 or 50 years yeah <laughs> um so that is the the biggest problem is that is the real fluctuation in weather patterns not just in the winter but also in the spring too mm -hmm. where you'll have those those real hard frosts in May, in May, usually always before Mother's Day, mm -hmm. and you have tender buds out there, and they'll get and they can get frosted off 
and die and you lose your crop, you lose that crop for the year or sometimes you lose 50 percent or 70 percent of it yeah. um and you never it seems like 20 years ago there was never this real big problem in the last basically since like 2000 there's been a complete shift in how the temperatures and it's not just the general high and lows it's the big swing mm-hmm. dips and rises mm-hmm. that seem to be the problem um that's the biggest challenge is trying to pick varieties you think that can handle and make it through the the cold winter snap plus your spring frost and of course you know elevation things like that play a big role as well in, in determining what you're planting on your site i know i've seen in some cherry orchards and things like that they use fans and do you have to use things like that yeah i have uh I have two uh, Tropic Breeze wind machines, and then I also have two portable uh, he- uh, heating machines. That uh, the two wind the two uh, wind machines will cover about eight to ten acres, and the two heaters I have will each cover roughly two and a half acres. So I have a pretty good blanket coverage on on my home farm um, on that twenty six acres. So How- I feel pretty comfortable. How does that work scientifically? Can you explain that to the listeners? Yep. So as the heat rises from the ground, naturally occurring heat will rise. Um, What will happen is the cold air will come down off of the higher elevation areas, cool into the low spots. As that cool air starts to pile up, it pushes that hot air up and out into the atmosphere. Well, as that hot air is rising, you turn your wind machines on, and you and you'll usually have a three to four degree uh, difference in climate from six feet to 20, 20 feet up. And what you're trying to do is circulate that warm air, that's the inversion layer, up at thirty or forty feet, in with that cold air to twenty eight or twenty nine on the surface up to six feet. You circulate that air around and get average temperatures, say thirty three degrees, which helps stop the frost from forming on your so funny how much of farming obviously you know weather is all we talk about weather is all we think about but then how we try and manipulate it we have fans in all our barns that are running all the time you have fans you're trying to not get frost it's uh it's amazing how much we are trying to manipulate it as best we can but yeah Yeah. how how is this year looking so far um we had a cold pretty good cold snap there oh what are the two we had I don't know, 20 some inches of snow. And we hit uh, some negative, negative six, negative eight, uh, negative 12s around that Lawton Papa uh, area. Um, I have not been out to uh, look at any bud damage, if there is any. It, that's really borderline on the varieties. I have some hybrids and just the Chardonnay are the only vernifer I have. That would be the most tender, tender variety that I have. Um, but I usually, I was going to wait two weeks before I went out there and did anything to make sure I was uh, pretty confident that they're either going to be alive or dead. And I'm not sure where we're at quite yet. Um, I was going to probably go out this this weekend and cut into some buds, and hopefully the uh, tissue is green. I hope so too. Not high hopes on there. Well, we were talking about how terrible 2020 was for a lot of things, but it, what it was great for was um, higher wine consumption. I think 
<laughs> Sales were good. Yes, it was. <laughs> what kind of wine grapes do you like personally to grow and to consume? Um, uh, I have, I can, oh, let me, first of all, I'll tell you what I grow. Okay. I have Bosch, Concord, Chamberson, Saval, Valvin Muscat, Marquette, Chardonnay, Brontenac Blanc, and Tramadon. Sounds like poetic. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make sure I got them all. <laughs> and do you have one uh, of those that you prefer? Yeah, um, I am over the year. I when I was younger, and I'm not talking 21. I'd say in my in my 30s, mm -hmm. um, I started kind of transitioning away from sweet wine, mm -hmm. even semi-sweet. I started to like the darker, more bold reds, and now I'm pretty much a red. Uh, dry red wine drinker. Mm -hmm. I will try it, especially if it's something new out there. Um, but other than that, I'm pretty much a dry red wine drinker. Um, Chamberson is one of my favorites. Um, it's a, you can do it as a varietal. They also do some blending with it. Uh, then uh, um, Cab is another one. I don't grow that, but I do like it. Mm -hmm. um, I do like uh, Chardonnay. Now that is a preference right there. Not only the kind, but the container that it comes in. Yeah. <laughs> do you not like the oaky flavor? I do in red, but not in white. And it's just, you know, one of those preferences, taste palettes, and I just don't like it. <laughs> yep. And you would know what you like having grown them. Uh, in all of this, it, when people talk to you about your job, what kind of questions do they ask you about growing grapes and about wine? Um, one of the first questions is they always think of the, what I would consider like the maybe two or three most popular grapes, which one is kind of the Chardonnay. Do you grow Chardonnay? Do you grow Pinot Grigio? Do you grow Marlowe? Oh, okay. And, um, I get that question a lot, and I was like, well, I grow Chardonnay, but that's the only one I personally grow that is grown in the area, and uh, that's kind of one question, and then the other question I get a lot um, that people will ask is, uh, they ask me how much, if, 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 I'm, if I'm also a winery, and I make my own wine, mm -hmm. and I tell them, no, <laughs> I just want to grow the grapes. <laughs> depending on what product it is, if you go from the very beginning to everything, people ask me that too. They'll be like, well, where can I buy your milk? I'm like, oh, we make it. We have got other people to do the bottling and processing yeah. and selling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's one of the questions I get. Oh, they make wine too? Uh, no. no. <laughs> you sent me a nice picture of your family. Can you talk about your family? Uh, beautiful wife, Hillary. We're going to be married and I believe I'll probably get this wrong. This is uh, a this is a recording. Do you need me to edit this part out? <laughs> <laughs> you can be vague. Nine, about nine years. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, I have two beautiful daughters. Uh, Peyton is six. Sadie is four, and my youngest boy Clyde is. Uh, a month shy of one year. 
Oh, yeah, yay. And the farm. How fun. What do they like about the farm? And does Hillary work on the farm, too? Or is she home with them? Or does she work off? Or what does she do? Um, Hillary works off the farm. Um, she does help on the weekends. Um, but other than that, uh, she has, she has, she works at Western Michigan University. Okay. Um, and, uh, the dining services slash payroll slash some, a few other thing area, uh, at Western. So that's what she does, uh, during the week. And then, uh, like I said, she'll help me on the farm on the weekends if need be, but mostly she's with the kids. So I can work on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I like how she works there in her free time. Like everyone who is married to someone on a farm, <laughs> you work there in your free time. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my two my oldest daughters um, came really into the uh, the tractors and the farm, the farm scene, wanting to drive tractors and uh, go out with me and uh, be out in the vineyard. On the other hand, my middle daughter is, I guess what I'd say, the doll and dollhouse girl, and she will <laughs> prefer to just stay inside and play with her dolls and dollhouses. <laughs> and uh, she does like to go on a tractor ride on occasion or on the on the RTV, but uh, she much would prefer to uh, play play with the dolls. <laughs> yep, everybody has their own preferences. And what's Clyde like? Mm -hmm. uh, not much yet, because he hasn't really seen much. <laughs> <laughs> he he kind of witnessed the first the first year, but uh, or the first season, but uh, he uh, really didn't obviously comprehend much. Just being <laughs> just born in, a year ago in March, so um, I think he's gonna have a lot more fun this year. Uh, uh, how did you guys meet? Uh, we met at a Alpha Gamma Rho tailgate at Michigan State about in 2012 or 13. Fantastic. I've mm -hmm. been to many of those tailgates, and they are a really great time. What a fun group of people. Yep. <laughs> what do you guys like to do when you are not working and not on the farm? What do you like to do as a family? Um, we do like to go out and eat. There's a little restaurant in my hometown called the Phoenix Cafe, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, it's a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant that does a breakfast and lunch. Um, we really enjoy like enjoy to go there for breakfast a lot. Don't go there too often for lunch, but uh, the kids kids love it. Love to go there and get something to eat. It's been a little difficult here lately, but we've been able to sneak out here and there to go over there and put uh, back open. Okay. Um, other than that, the other thing is, uh, we like to do since my cousin has his greenhouse in Kalamazoo in the uh, wintertime, my kids can come over here and we usually go on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and uh, bring their scooters and their bikes out and they can ride all up and down the greenhouses and it's 45, 50 degrees and wear a light coat and have all the fun they want or kick a soccer ball around and uh, not have to worry about the cold. Oh, I walked into an MSU greenhouse, uh, I guess it was last winter, and it's... Uh, it's such a great feeling. It's so nice to be warm in the middle of yep. winter in a greenhouse. That's yep. nice that they have that. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, of course they like you know sledding and getting pulled on the sled with RTV and things like that at home. But it, it is nice to come out here, you know, be able to be on a be inside, be able to ride the bike all winter. Yeah, you're getting the best of all the seasons all at once. Nice yep. job having exactly. that greenhouse. <laughs> 
Obviously, you've now been working within the industry for a while. What kinds of things is your industry dealing with, and how does this work with you in agriculture as a whole? Is Are there certain problems or challenges that it's facing? Um, probably, I mean, the, the, the same one probably everyone talks about is the labor issue. Uh-huh. And uh, it's not as much, at least what I've seen over the course of, say, 15 or so years, up to 20 years, is there's nobody in the migrant labor force in the in migrant the migrant labor force that wants to get into pruning grapes it seems like it's just dwindling down into you have guys that are in their 50s 60s and 70s that are pruning grapes but there's the next generation down which would be their kids decided not to follow on their parents footsteps and you're going to have this huge lapse where you're going to have really start to struggle to find pruners to prune your grapes in the wintertime, and it's going to be a huge, huge issue mm-hmm. here, I'd say, in the next five to ten years, unless we can get some type of skilled laborers here that want to do this kind of work in, mm-hmm. the, in the winter, mm-hmm. which is hard enough as it is in Michigan, Yeah, outside every day. Yeah. And, and the... And I've seen the price is basically not quite doubled, but it's close to doubled in 20 years or pruning. Doubled in what you pay people? Yeah. Wow. That yep. is quite a difference there. Have yep. you been able and to find anybody and, this year? And yeah, I have a couple guys this year. Um, I did struggle, but that was, I usually start pruning in February and we had the horrible snow and cold weather and obviously no one wants to prune when it's five, ten, eight, zero degrees out. Yeah, okay. And we had that in and out for almost three weeks. Yeah. And uh, so I couldn't get any in there. So I'm, I'm actually about three weeks behind, but I kind of leave myself about a 15-day window. Um, we should wrap everything up by the end of April. Mm-hmm. Um at this point, usually it's the first or second week of April, but this time around, I know it shouldn't be the end of April. Are, um, you, are you wondering why you're talking to me right now? You're like, why am I not out there pruning? What am I doing? <laughs> Holding you I back. Don't do much, I, I, don't do, I don't do much pruning. That might change here. I mean, very shortly. It's just, it's, a, it's tougher and tougher to find somebody younger that wants to do this kind of work. It is, like you say, yes, it is a problem as a whole, of course, in the industry. Yeah. What's happening for you this upcoming year? Do you have anything planned um, personally or professionally? Um, Probably the big thing, uh, we are uh, adding in about another acre and a half of wine grapes. Um, And that was to fill in some ground that I had kind of put off to the side. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. Um, one spot's a really, a, a, one of my lowest spots on my whole farm. Um, and I planted stuff 60 feet apart, roughly from this low spot, to see what it would do. And uh, I've had some fairly good success, along with the wind machines being there. So uh, we decided to go ahead and plant that ground uh, that was m- marginal at best. Mm-hmm. Um, with some uh, hybrid wine.
pine grapes that are uh, more cold hardy, sensitive, more more cold hardy mm-hmm. uh, than some other varieties that I had planted in the past. So um, we're going to do a little bit of that uh, this 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 spring here, and uh, that will uh, fill up pretty much everything I have. It's nice when you can take marginal ground like that and get something out of it. It's good that it's, mm-hmm. when you say lowest, is it is it um, you're talking elevation low? Or yeah, talking, elevation. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a, yeah, it's a low spot in elevation, uh, plus it's kind of a it's kind of a bowl pocket, mm-hmm. so it, tra- it traps cold air in the springtime. Um, but like I said, we wanted to make sure the wind machines were going to do their job before we actually did a true permanent planting in that exact area. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your new acre and a half of wine grapes, and I wish you the best weather. I hope when you go out there, your buds look amazing. (laughs) And (laughs) thanks for talking with me and talking to everyone about what it's like to grow wine grapes. Not a problem. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again for joining the Michigan Grown Michigan Grape Podcast. It's indeed great to get to know the Michigan farmers behind local products in our marketplace. Supporting local farmers in your community is easy when you live in Michigan. We all benefit from the bounty of locally grown foods fresh from our state's family farmers. Thank you to Bex for helping us tell the stories of farmers through permission to use the Henningsons Why I Farm song. It's an honor that we share to highlight real people and real farmers who are passionate about agriculture. Join us again soon as we discover more farm stories directly from local farm families. And to find more information about Michigan food and farming systems, please visit michigangrown.org.